Good morning and welcome. Good morning and welcome to all our guests, visitors, and listeners on the radio today. The Rose on the Altar is in honor of Bruce and Ellen Eschmeyer, who will celebrate 51 years of marriage on September 13th. Congratulations. Okay, today is the fall kickoff in the parking lot immediately following the church. So there's a lot of activities out there. There's cookies, coffee, a bounce house, nine square, pony rides, and much more. So you're all welcome to join afterwards and participate in that. The weather is really going to cooperate today. It's going to be a fun time. Tonight is junior high and senior Bible study at Dave and Judy Bumbar's home from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Bring your friends and bring your Bible. This Wednesday, September 11th, is a junior and senior high youth group kickoff party from 7 to 8.30 in the ministry center. Uh, I'm told they're supposed to come hungry and bring your friends along. There'll be a lot to eat. So this Wednesday, September 11th. Next Sunday is a busy one. It's the first day of Sunday school classes. We're going to have a special time to present our first graders with their Bibles we're going to recognize our teachers and pray for the Sunday school this year. Also joining us next week is Doug and Kathy McLean, who are serving in Germany and will be here to share, us, share with us during the service and afterwards in the ministry center. There are several more announcements in the bulletin, so make sure you check that out for the start of Bible classes and, and the studies as well. Please rise and join me in the call to worship taken from Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips in my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of, I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. Remain standing as we sing hymn, hymn number 31, Great is the Lord.
As the children come down for the children chat, take this time to greet your neighbor. Good morning. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. Look how many of you guys are here today. It's a fun day, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it is. All right. I see. What did I bring with me today? Who's in the picture? Family. This happens to be my family. Yep. So, this is my family. This is my family. You see anybody else in there you know? Yeah, some of the Lammers clan in that group. Okay, this is also my family. Those are, that, this is my family. We fill up the whole picture, don't we? Yep. So we're talking about family. Do you have a family? Mommy. Mommy is your family? Sister. Yep. Sisters, brothers, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins, step family. I mean, our family is huge. Now I have a question for you. Are we all a family? Yeah, we are all a family. We are all part of God's family. We're all part of God's family. And being part of a family, when we're talking about, is is kind of like a community, okay, where we're all together, okay? Now, the majority of us here are part of the New Knoxville family, right? Now, there's a couple of you who come in from out of town, and we're excited that you're here. But we're all part of that community, that family from the town where you, go, where you grew up in or where you uh, go to school at. So that's part of a community, too. And that's what we're going to be talking about um, the next couple of weeks in Pastor Joel's sermons. We're going to be talking about community and how we are all part of one group, one community, We all love Jesus, right? He's in our heart. Yeah. And we like to learn about him and sing songs about him. So we are all part of this community. And today, what's today? The fall kickoff. Is that community? Is that fun? Is that, yeah. And we're inviting everybody in the community to come out and be a part of that so that we can make new friends and have more people in our family. Yeah. So as we go forward this fall, we're going to learn more and more about community and family. And I am so excited that we are all part of the same family. So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children. Thank you for our, 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 our immediate families and our extended families and our family of God and our family of community. And, Lord, we need each other to keep going in this world. And so we're going to learn more and more about that. Help us to be part of this community this week as we go forward to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Killed in Kabul in the last week in Afghanistan. One of our coalition partners, Corporal Third Class Cyprian Stefan Polsky from the Romanian Army, 36 years old. And from our Army, Sergeant First Class Ellis A. Burrito Ortez, 34, from Morovia, Puerto Rico. Lost in our service in Alabama. First Lieutenant William Picker, 30, from Cleveland, Tennessee. And in Alaska, Bosun Mate Third Class, Frankie Lopez, 23. Thank you, Jay. As we begin to once again set our hearts on the Lord and in a time of prayer, let's stand and let's sing together number 410, My Faith Looks Up to Thee.
seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Lord God, we do lift our eyes up to you this morning. We lift our eyes up heavenward knowing that, Lord Jesus, you are our hope and our strength in every time of need. Lord God, you have given us everything we need through Christ and through the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, help us to rely on on your presence here with us, here in this place, in our own hearts, to face whatever challenges that life brings. We thank you that you walk through this life with us like a good shepherd. You care for your sheep. You protect us. You provide for us. And you you lead us, Lord, uh, in the way that we should go. And so, Lord, as, as we travel through this journey of life, as we, as we traverse this road that you've laid before us, we ask for your guidance and your care to be with us. We pray especially for those who lost loved ones recently. We think of the, the families of the soldiers that we're reminded of uh, week in, week out, um, that have given themselves up, Lord, for, for others, for the sake of our country and for uh, protecting those in harm's way. Lord, I thank you for their sacrifice, and, and thank you, Lord, that it is a, it's, a, it's a reminder, it's a, it's a, it's a glimpse of the, the love and the sacrifice that you have for us, Lord. Uh, and, I, and I thank you for, for the, them being willing to lay down their lives, Lord, and in most cases for people they've never even met. Uh, and I pray, Lord, for strength and for peace and comfort for their families as they, uh, Lord, suffer the loss of a loved one. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that we have outside. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here in this place as your church, as your body. Uh, And I pray that as we worship you this morning, that our hearts and our minds would be focused on you. And Lord, as we gather for a time of fellowship after the service with the fall kickoff, uh, uh, we ask for your, your presence to continue to be with us during that time. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that we can spend time with and enjoy each other's company. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a, uh, the start of a great fall season for us here of ministry here at this church. Thank you for all, Lord. Uh, thinking of Sunday school, thank you for the teachers uh, and the helpers that have put so much time into preparing for this coming year. And we pray, Lord, that as they begin next week officially with classes, that you'd bless them and the students, Lord, as they gather to learn more about you. Lord, we ask for your continued provision for those that are represented in our bulletin. You know the needs. You know, you know what is uh, going on in each one of those situations. Lord, even if we don't, we know and trust that you do. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know, you know the number of days that each one of us has in store for us before one of them came to pass. And so we trust ourselves and entrust ourselves completely to you, Lord. We pray all these things in Christ's name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I'd like to invite forward those who are helping with the offering. This morning we're very blessed to have the choir back with us for the first time this fall and looking forward to many more weeks of their, their music uh, contributing to our worship. So thank you and invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward.
remain standing for the scripture reading this morning. If you have your Bibles, please open them. The scripture reading this morning is from 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. You may be seated. And thank you, Tracy, uh, for reading. We uh, Last time she read, we had the wrong scripture in front of her. Uh, and that was actually the second time that it happened to her. And so before this week, we, with, this, with her reading scripture, we double and triple checked to make sure the scripture was correct. And it was. So thank you for being willing to read scripture for us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Lord God, we thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the gift of fellowship that you bring, not just, Lord, Lord, of course, with, as, as individuals with you, Lord, that is a, a blessing, and, uh, but also, Lord, the fellowship that you bring to the family of God, the fellowship we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, as we begin our study of 1 John this morning, help us to uh, not take that for granted, but always cherish, uh, Lord, our fellowship with you and fellowship with each other. I ask now as we open your word together that you'd give, a, give me words to speak and you'd open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Earlier this summer, Allie and I had the, the joy of going to a family reunion at my parents' house in western New York. Uh, we've, uh, my, I have a quite a large extended family. Uh, my mom is one of 12 kids. She's actually the 10th out of 12 uh, and I'm her youngest out uh, of two older brothers. And so we have quite the extended family and we have managed to cover quite a geographical territory. Uh, we have, I have relatives all the way from Canada down to Texas, from Florida to Oregon. I even have some international cousins. Um, and so it's, it's been really, it was, it was a really great time to gather as a family. And we've done this, of course, uh, on, on many occasions, especially since my my grandparents passed away uh, many years ago. Uh, we've been trying to, as a family, we've tried to be very intentional about continuing to gather together. Um, and it's always a blessing when we do so because I see, I see family members, I see cousins, I see aunt and uncles that usually I would not get the opportunity to see because we are such a big family and so spread out. In fact, this summer, as we gathered at my parents' house, I got to meet a cousin of mine who was born and raised in, in Greece that I had never actually met in person before. Um, and, and so it was really cool that she is, she's 15. She has the, this is her only her second opportunity ever to come to the States. And so it was really cool to meet her in person and, and get to know her. Uh, the thing about extended families, for some of you who have large families like I do, you know there's quite a bit of variety there, isn't there? Some of it's good. Some of it's maybe uh, not so good, right? Uh, but we all have extended family. We all have stories. We all have different experiences, and we come from different backgrounds based on uh, you know, where we grew up and, and the circumstances there. But when we gather together, we gather as a family, and it's always a good thing. It's always a, a blessing, and it's always a, a, a privilege to do that. Um, and, and especially me being kind of on the younger side of the generational scale, my mom, like I said, being the 10th out of 12 and I'm her youngest, I've always really enjoyed the, the stories that are shared during those family reunions, stories of my grandparents that I never really, uh, got to experience myself being so young. I remember my, uh, my grandpa in particular on my mom's side, uh, suffered a stroke when I was just maybe one or two years old. And so the majority of, of my memories of him were, were when he was uh, incapacitated, unable to, to move on his own in a wheelchair and, and unable to speak. And so uh, hearing stories of my grandpa and, and, and seeing videos of him, you know, were, it was just really a, a blessing and a really cool thing to experience. 
In fact, this time around, as we gathered, my dad pulled out old videotapes of the 1990 family reunion. Uh, it was actually my, it coincided with my grandparents' 50th anniversary, and, uh, and it was a big celebration, and, and uh, my grandma and grandpa were posing for pictures, about to cut the cake, and about to uh, pray, you know, pray for the food, and, and apparently my grandpa was quite a joker. Um, he, as everybody gathered to pray, he, he got everybody quiet, and he said a simple prayer of blessing. He said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, whoever eats the quickest eats the most. And then it was <laughs> dispersed to go, go eat food. Um, you know, that's just, you know, and, and it was just so cool for me to see that and to hear and experience it because of my, my connection with my grandpa was, like I said, always a very different one because of, of his disability. Uh, and so, um, the reason I share that with you here today is because uh, we as a church, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're a family of God. And if you think about it, as we gather on Sunday mornings, it's like our own little mini family reunion. We gather, we come from different walks of life, we come from different experiences and different backgrounds, but we gather as one. We gather as one family to worship God together, to praise Him, um, because the one thing that brings us together as a family, our, our relationship with Christ and, and His saving grace in our lives is is greater than any of the differences or any of the other backgrounds or things that may may separate us. And so we're going to be talking over the next couple months, we're going to be working our way through 1 John. And one of the main themes of 1 John is this idea of fellowship as a body of Christ. And that fellowship uh, is is with God first and foremost, but through our relationship with God and through the fellowship we have with him, we have that connection to each other. And it's so important for us to, to not take that for granted and to really dive into that. We all have our own right, biological families, right? We have, we have our own uh, backgrounds that we, were, that we were born into. But in addition to that, and to complement that, we also have a spiritual family. We have our brothers and sisters in Christ that can, that can be there for us and help us out as well. And so, so what we're going to be talking about today and over the next couple months is what that looks like and how we as Christians can encourage and support one another as a family and as the body of Christ. So today we're going to be beginning our exploration of 1 John, and we're going to start with these opening verses. It's, it's funny, you know, we often, if you've taken time and read through the New Testament, you know that a good chunk of the New Testament is, is actually letters that were written by people to most often churches or sometimes individuals. And just like any letter that we may write to someone else, they all start with a greeting. You know, hi, this is Paul, right? And I'm writing to the church in Ephesus or, or something along those lines. And, and, and most of the time, we, it's easy for us to just kind of skim over thinking that those opening verses, that greeting isn't really all that important. But we'll see here, even in these opening verses of this letter, there's so much to, to discover and so much of, of importance that sets the stage for the rest of the book that we're going to take time today to look at these opening verses and see how they, they lay the groundwork and the foundation for, for this idea of fellowship in the family of God, of being called into community with each other. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with me. We're going to be in First uh, John. Uh, we're also going to take a look at some other passages throughout our, our time together this morning. So First uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. As we, as we look at that, it's important to, to lay some groundwork as well for the, for the letter as a whole. Uh, it's important to know, you know, who is John, you know, who, who wrote this letter and who did he write it to, because that gives us a little insight into the context of the original writing, which helps us to understand it a little bit better. Now, this letter was written by John the Apostle, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Uh, the unique thing about John uh, was that he was the younger of, of the group. Um, in fact, in, uh, he wrote uh, the Gospel of John. He wrote, obviously, First and Second, Third John, as well as the Book of Revelation. And John was the the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. He had a, a special connection with the Lord, along with uh, Peter and James. The three of them, along with Jesus, were often the ones who who got to witness Jesus in the most incredible and intimate moments. The three of them were there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus. When the glory of Jesus shone and, and Jesus uh, was standing there speaking with Mo- Moses and Elijah, it was John along with Peter and James who got to witness that. When Jesus raised a girl from the dead, when he brought her back to life, it was Peter, James, and John who got to, to be there and to witness that miracle. 
And so John had a, had a pretty uh, special connection with the Lord and, and got to witness some amazing things during the life and ministry of Jesus. The letter was probably written uh, somewhere around 80 to 85 AD. And, and usually I wouldn't bother you know, sharing that information. It's not necessarily always the most important information as we take a look at a, a, a book of the Bible together. But I share that with you this morning for a particular reason. Right? Jesus was... Uh, Jesus lived and ministered and, and, and was most likely crucified around the year A.D. 30. So we're talking some 45 to 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. That's, that's the time frame we're talking about here. And why, why is that important? Why do I share that with you? Because John was most likely writing to second or third generation Christians. When we look at the book of Acts and we look at some of the, the early letters, like the, the letter of, uh, to the church of Galatia, the, Paul's letter to, in Galatians, uh, we, get a, we get an idea that, that Paul is writing to brand new converts, right? People that were called out of paganism or, or people that were, that were Jewish that then trusted in Christ and they were trying to figure out how to, how to live in that, and, and moving out of Judaism and into Christianity, right? And there's this tension of, of new believers trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ. And we think of the New Testament as a whole often in that context, but in First John, we get a little different picture. We get, a, we get a letter written most likely not to brand new, a brand new church of brand new Christians, but, but a letter to people that have probably grown up in the church. People whose parents were probably Christ followers that had known the gospel and had known about Jesus from their earliest days and were now adults trying to figure out how to live their faith in Christ. Does that sound familiar? I think we as a church are, have a lot of similarities to that, don't we? A lot of established churches like First Church are filled with people that have known nothing else but Christ and, and known him and known the gospel from an early age. What a wonderful blessing that is. What a joy that is to, to know from, from your earliest memories what it's like to be in a church and be called uh, uh, into the family of God in that way. That's a wonderful blessing. But it comes with its own unique sets of challenges as well, doesn't it? How do we, what does it mean to live for Christ when that, you know, and, and, and stay faithful and stay true to him in that particular context? And, and, and so we have, I think we have a lot we can learn from 1 John as well. And 1 John, we can see even from these opening verses that, that there's some particular reasons John wrote this letter. Uh, we'll see throughout our time studying this book that, that one of the reasons he wrote this letter was to combat false teaching that had begun to permeate the church. In the early days of, of the church, uh, the false teaching also often had to do with, with uh, the relationship between, between Christ followers and the, and the law. How do, we, how do we as Christians now obey the law in, in terms of like the ceremonial law that was laid out in the Old Testament? And you know from Paul's writings that, that we are no longer bound by the law, that Christ fulfilled it, and so we therefore are no longer under obligation to the law, we're under obligation to Christ. In later generations, we're seeing here uh, in, in the book of First John, the issue was, had more to do with the idea of what's called Gnosticism, the idea of, of, of secret knowledge. There was people that began to permeate the church that, that had... Uh, this idea that Gnosticism, the based in this secret wisdom or secret knowledge, that you had to have inside information in order to truly be saved. That the rest of the, the, rest of the world, and even the rest of the church, didn't quite get it. They only, uh, all, the only true Christians, the only true Christ followers, are the people who had that inside information that belonged to that particular group. And we'll see how that flushes itself out in the, in the rest of the letter. But know that that was one issue, the, the trying to combat the false teachers that had begun to permeate the church. And then the other one, the other side of that as well, was the need for genuine fellowship among Christians. What it means to truly love each other as Christ loved us. And that is a major theme that we'll see flowing throughout this letter as well. And we see those beginning to, to show themselves here in these opening verses. John talks about this word of life, which was from the beginning, which he's heard, which he's seen with their own eyes, which they've looked at and with their own hands they have touched. And it's that word of life they're proclaiming to these people. And the word of life is an obvious reference to Jesus himself. In John 1.1, 1, 1, the gospel that, 
John himself wrote begins with, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Uh, John, one of John's favorite descriptions of Jesus is as the Word, the Word of life. And so this is a reference here to Jesus himself. And there's two things that we learn about Jesus from this passage. One is that he was eternal. It says here that he was with God from the beginning. He was with the Father. In other words, Jesus isn't just a, a good person who was born and who lived a good life and who died and that we can somehow follow his moral example. No, Jesus was the Son of God, was and is the Son of God. He was with God in the beginning, before all of creation, before time itself began. The Son of God was there with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, in perfect fellowship and unity. So the, the word of life is eternal, but the word of life also became human like us. Notice here how John describes his experience of Jesus. He didn't say, you know, we heard about him, or only. But it, look at all the sensory words that he uses. He says, we've looked at him, we've, we've seen him with our eyes, we've even felt him with our own hands. It says that we've looked at, it's almost like the sense that they've, they've, they've examined him, they've spent time with him, not, not just enough to say, oh, he's an acquaintance, but they truly know Jesus in a real and personal way. And throughout these first three verses, over and over again, there's this emphasis on the, on the, uh, the interaction of John and Jesus himself. And what this reminds us is that that eternal word of life, the eternal Son of God, became human like one of us. He was both fully God and fully man. And we see this in John's Gospel. It's not only before the resurrection, but after it. In John chapter 20, verse 20, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he said, Check it out. Look at my hands. Look at my sides. I'm the one who was crucified. I'm the one who was pierced, and now I am alive again. This wasn't just a spiritual resurrection. This was a physical body resurrection that Jesus underwent for, on our behalf. When Thomas, the disciple, is confronted with Jesus, right? He's the one, he says, I, I won't believe it. I won't believe that Jesus was resurrected until I can touch him with my own hands, until I can place my hand in his side where he was pierced. I won't believe it. And when Jesus appears to Thomas, he says, come, check it out. And Thomas, in that moment, stand, kneels down and worships Jesus as Lord. So we see this. This word of life. And I mentioned the idea of Gnosticism before. Uh, and this, again, John is writing specifically against this teaching. And we see that here. That's the reason why he uses these sorts of descriptions. Because one of the, the beliefs of Gnosticism is that, that the spirit and the soul is good, but the flesh and anything physical is bad. And so there were teachers in the early days of the church that would come through and say, say, spirit is good and the flesh is bad. Therefore, Jesus the eternal Son of God, could not have become like one of us. He wasn't truly human. He didn't really become physical uh, in, in the sense that we are. He didn't become fully human. And the reason that is such a problem is because if Jesus wasn't fully human, then he could not truly have suffered and died for us. See, Jesus became like one of us in order to empathize with us. In order to redeem us, he became like one of us. The book of Hebrews is full of examples of how Jesus, our perfect high priest, became like one of us in order to, to suffer and to die and to offer himself as a sacrifice. And that could only happen if he is both fully God and fully man. And so that's why John here is emphasizing this, this, this fact that the eternal word of life, the eternal Son of God, became like one of us. And because he became like one of us, we can know him. We can have a relationship with him. And, and we can truly... Uh, get a glimpse of what God is really like because Jesus through his life showed that to us. And so we get, uh, we get this picture of the word of life and Paul here proclaims it to us three times in these verses. He uses the word proclaim to you. See, John was an eyewitness of Jesus, not only his teachings, not only his life, but his miracles, his death and his resurrection. And so John is is proclaiming this fact, is proclaiming this good news now to these people. And, and it's so important to, to do that because we need to hear that good news. We need to hear that Jesus died and lives again for us. In Romans chapter 10, we hear the importance of the proclamation of the gospel. Romans 10, beginning in verse 9. 
Paul writes, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they, can they call on the one they, believe, have, the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, it's important for us who have experienced Christ like John did, those of us who have a relationship with the Lord, to then proclaim that to others. You see, we want people to know Christ so that they can experience the joy and the peace and the forgiveness that we ourselves have experienced. Paul ends this sector, excuse me, John ends this section of, of scripture that we're looking at today with that talking about fellowship and how, how he desires for our joy to be complete. You see, there's joy in knowing Christ and there's joy in sharing that good news with others. And John wants us, he wants the, the recipients of his letter and he wants us as the the readers now, to experience the same joy that he himself has experienced in Christ. What is that joy? What is that good news? It's the eternal life that has been made known to us through Christ. You see, eternal life is not just about quantity. It's about quality. Eternal life isn't just about being able to live on forever and ever and ever and never have to die. That is maybe a part of it. That's the part that we experienced uh, in Christ, right, in heaven. But there's also, but, but if that's all it is, we're missing the bigger picture. Eternal life is about quality as well. It's about the life and the joy and the peace that we experience in and through a relationship with the Lord. And we don't have to wait until heaven to experience that. We can experience that eternal life now. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus tells Uh, tells the crowds gathered there, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Right? To experience full, abundant life is what Jesus came and and lived and died and lived again for. And that is not something we have to wait for uh, and experience in the future. It's something that we can experience now. With this idea in mind, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Notice he says that he's, he's talking about it as if that has already taken place, right? It's not the new creation will come. It's the new creation has come. In you, you those who have put their trust in Christ, who have a relationship with him, have been transformed and made new. And so we can experience that eternal life now. And we see in, this, in these opening verses of 1 John that this all comes to culmination, all comes to fruition in this idea of fellowship with God and with each other. Eternal life is, is made known, is experienced in those relationships, both a vertical relationship with God and then that horizontal relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Fellowship with God means that we, are, we not only know Him, but we are known by Him. In those same verses in John chapter 10, as Jesus is speaking to the crowd, he uses the analogy of a shepherd to describe what that relationship is like. In John 10, verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Think about what Jesus is saying there. He says, just as I know the Father and the Father knows me, that's the same kind of relationship I want to have with you. And that's pretty amazing if you think about it. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who is, who is one with God, one with the Father, right? And the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, eternally bound together as one God and three persons. That close connection and relationship, that's the same kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that, is a, that can only come through that personal connection, that personal trust in the Lord. But notice here, he also wants to extend that relationship to each other. John writes, our relationship is with the Father and with the Son and is also with each other. In Ephesians 4, Paul reminds us that that there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, right? And we're all called into that body together. 
It's the common bond and the common connection that we all have as Christians. And that's what unites us. I began talking about my family reunion, about how we all come from different walks of life and live in different places and hardly ever see each other. But the one thing we have in common is that common ancestry, right, through our, through our family. And no matter who we are, we can come together and enjoy that fellowship, enjoy that reunion because of that connection. The same is true for us as Christians. The common connection we have is our connection through Christ and through His Spirit living in us. And so no matter who we are, no matter what our other opinions and beliefs, no matter what our jobs are, uh, no matter what our family is like, we can have that common connection in Christ. That's the fellowship that, that God desires for us to experience. And it's a fellowship that comes through knowing Him. Yesterday, I, I got to experience my first ever game at Ohio State. Um, got to go down with uh, and, and enjoy that game. And, and it was a really, really great experience, really cool. There, there was just something special about being in a stadium with 100,000 or so fans all rooting and cheering on the same team, right? There's just a, there's just a sense of, there's an atmosphere there that is just hard to replicate. Uh, 100,000 or so Ohio State fans, give or few, a uh, few Cincinnati fans, uh, Brad, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> but all there was, there was thousands and thousands of people united around one purpose and one goal, and that was to cheer on their favorite sports team. We have one goal as Christians. We have one common uniting purpose, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy a relationship with Him and to, to make His kingdom known in this world. And that is the one thing that brings us together. And that should bring joy. That should bring excitement. And that should bring us together as believers. Uh, and, and that, again, is the joy that, that John is talking about here in this passage. In Psalm 1611, the psalmist writes, speaking of the Lord, he says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, we often fought, try to find joy and pleasure and so many other things, but we know ultimately as Christians that the only true source of joy is Christ and having that relationship with Him. The joy of His salvation, the joy of having a relationship with Him, and the joy of knowing that is something that begins now and will last for an eternity. And so I want to encourage you to experience that joy for yourself, to find fellowship and find connection with other believers. Um, and, and within this church and, and in other relationships outside of it too. As we close, I just want to encourage you to, to, to think something. Give, give something a, a, a bit of thought. In the recent newsletter, um, uh, we announced that we're going to be starting a new fall Bible study. Uh, the idea uh, being connected, my life in the church. And I, and I encourage you all to be thinking about that. And it's going to start next month in October. Uh, today at the fall kickoff, there's going to be a sign-up table not only for fall registration for Sunday school, but there's going to be some sign-ups uh, for small groups that are, that are going to begin in October that are going to work through this study. And as we talk about being called into community out of 1 John, this Bible study is going to go right along with that and talk about what it means to be connected as a body of Christ in a church. And so I want to encourage you to think about that. Take a, uh, and sign up for one of those groups and get connected and study God's Word together. Uh, we have um, groups that are meeting on Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday morning. So hopefully one of those days can fit in your schedule. Uh, and and there, our goal is to try, to try to help dig in more and more into this idea of being connected in Christ and, and, and actually then live it out by studying God's Word together, by, by fellowshipping with each other and by praying for each other. So I want to encourage you to, to think about that and, and mark your calendars in order to, to get involved in one of those groups. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much that you have called us into community, that you have, through Christ, made us one body, one church, and one family. I pray now that you would help us to, uh, to live that out, Lord, and know that you are the one thing that we have in common. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand, and as we prepare our hearts for communion, let's sing the first verse of We Are God's People, number 283 in your blue hymnals.
Amen. You may be seated. As we take communion today, we're reminded of that common connection we have in Christ. No matter what you walked in here with this morning, no matter what, uh, what you carried into this place with you, communion is a reminder that we can lay those burdens at the foot of the cross. That in Christ, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter what we've thought, we know we have forgiveness in Him. That His body was broken for us, His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. That the barrier of sin that separated us from the Lord was torn down. And in Christ, we have that forgiveness and eternal life. What a joy and what a, what a privilege that is to know that, that the gospel is not about what we've done to earn our way into God's favor, but it's about what God has done to bring us into his family for us. And what a, what a, what a blessing that is. And so as you take communion and reflect on that, think about, think about your sin. Think about how we have all, including myself, fallen short of God's glory. And all God desires is us to be honest with him, to confess those things, to repent and turn from them and turn towards Christ and in response to the grace and the love that he's shown us. But also think about the fact that that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, that is we all have that in common. We're all sinners in need of a savior. And so as we take this bread and we drink this juice, it's a reminder that we're all in the same boat. We're all in this together. That we have the fellowship of having experienced God's grace in a real and significant way. And as we take this bread, reflect on the fact that we do take it together as one, one body in Christ, brought together out of our need for him and out of the, his, his love for us, represented in this bread and this juice. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your love that you've poured out to us through Christ. We confess to you now, Lord, that we are not worthy of it. We have not earned it and we don't deserve it. But we thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us anyways, that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you, Jesus, laid down your life for us. And so as we take this, Lord, help us to, to repent and turn from those things that aren't pleasing to you and receive your grace, Lord, in a new and profound way this morning. And help us also, Lord, to remember that you've called us into a family, the family of God, the body of believers, both here in this place and throughout the world. And Lord, help us to find fellowship and comfort in that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For Paul says, I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took this cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you and for all. Feed on them in their hearts by faith with thanksgiving. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us. His blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Lord God, I pray that now you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and to remind us of this, this great gift of grace that you've given us and help us to, to guide us to strengthen us and help us live for you each and every day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Before we go, I just want to remind you again about the fall kickoff. I hope you're all able to stick around and enjoy some cookies and refreshments and, and a fun time for our kids. Um, and I encourage you to, to stick around for that today after church. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.